Alright, and now we got JT O'Sullivan of the QB School checking in. Uh, first and foremost, JC, I appreciate you checking in, man. How you feeling? I'm doing well, Mom, man. Just living my best out here in beautiful gray San Diego. Try to get outside as much as I can. I see you hunkered down inside with the with the full studio gear. I'm going mobile today. Hey, well, look, first and foremost, um, I wish I wish I could say the same thing about my weather side. I, I was just right before you came, uh, I, there was a a heat issue in my in my house that I'm dealing with. And while oh, it's 9 a.m. on your side, it's, it's noon over here and it's approaching 90. <laughs> I'm going I'm going through it right now and I'm waiting on this technician <laughs> to come through to save save my save my weekend. <laughs> well, you can see, bro, I'm I'm the exact opposite. I got the hoodie, the vest. I'm 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 roughing it out here in 61, so it uh it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Man, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, obviously the the main thing that we got in here is uh, some Sam Howell talk. I I think a lot of people did some breakdowns uh, within the, the the commanders community over the past couple uh, weeks and stuff like that, understanding who Sam Howell is, grabbing the, the coaches or even giving their own analysis. But I think uh, for those who don't know JT, uh, he does excellent work on his YouTube channel, um, the, the quarterback school. And I think outsider's perspective with, with no influence is also important as well, whether it's uh, for the player or for the organization. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I really wanted to talk to you. And uh, to start the questions off, man, let's start with your 10,000-foot view on Sam Howell. Like, what is your opinion on the player himself? I'm a big fan of Sam Howell. Uh, you know, I, I got a chance to watch a, a number of his games from the past few years. And I think that, you know, immediately it's important to recognize, you know, anybody who's getting drafted to play quarterback is pretty good. He probably didn't go uh, as quickly as he would have liked. And when you dig into maybe why that's the case, I think it gets a little bit interesting and you can kind of go sideways a little bit. But I think he's in a great situation where he has the potential to to play maybe earlier than some other guys. And, uh, you know, at that point, once you get on the field, it's up to you. But when you look at his body of work as a collegiate football player, I think he's a really good player. I think he can run better than most people. I think he's a thick dude. He's got a beautiful deep ball. I think the thing that got him in a lot of trouble uh, projection-wise was you just don't love to see guys take nosedives in their productivity, whether that's, you know, you can make a lot of excuses, uh, provide evidence about why that's the case, surrounded by maybe unrealistic expectations at North Carolina this past year. But I would say that the production decline is is a red flag to a lot of people, and you can see that in kind of where what happened to him over the course of the draft cycle. But as far as the player, and what he was able to do at the collegiate level, I'm a big fan. I think he's got a great opportunity to be a longtime successful NFL quarterback. Now, you mentioned the draft cycle part, and, and I think that's something that people are still kind of mind-boggled with when it comes to Sam Howell, and not even just him. It's other quarterbacks out there, too. There were just three quarterbacks selected uh, in the third round or higher this past April, and Howell was not one of them. Uh, when you talk about the quarterback 
projections and 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 where how would as a fifth round pick uh did the overall quarterback uh slide surprise you during the draft because i'm sure there was plenty of people who projected that uh a couple quarterbacks were going to make it to that first round and it was only one yeah i mean i don't know if it necessarily surprised me i i guess i didn't think about it and i never really think about it from the lens of a team you know as far as a team need or a guy an organization maybe taking a swing on a guy who might not necessarily be a, a first round grade collectively across the league but when you look at the overall quality of the class i think no one's surprised that there weren't a lot of guys taken high in the draft just when you look at potentially what was last year's class what looks to be next year's class as far as a few more what either generational or franchise type guys that you can immediately identify so I think that does have kind of a collective lag or drag on some of these guys. And Sam Howe could have been kind of caught in the in the wind with some of that stuff as far as, you know, uh, certain drafts feeling like there's a run on quarterbacks. So you got to go up and get yours or you got to trade up to get yours. That certainly wasn't the case this year. Uh, but I think that all of these guys probably fell for a reason. You know, that that's the hard part. And especially I, I, I lived it. I felt like I've fallen before. And so when 32 teams are passing on you, you know, for Sam Howell four times, you know, there's a reason. And so you can unpack it. You could be trying to be truthful with, with why that's probably the case. But at the end of the day, all you want is this opportunity and you want to be in a, an organization that will give you an opportunity and build and give you a fair shot to develop. And I think he's in a, he's potentially in a good spot. Now, when we talk about kind of the understanding of, of the well, you watch you watch plenty of quarterbacks, and I guess we can actually just start with that one. Um, where did you have how ranked in terms of the quarterbacks that you watched? Uh, I don't know if you were able to watch all X amount of quarterbacks that were or, or the top quarterback prospects coming out, but uh, if you were able to watch a certain number, where did how rank in that number that you watched? Oh, that's a good question. You're putting my memory on me. I'm, I'm, I know I have a video out with the actual rankings. I didn't watch every single guy that got drafted, but I want to say that I had it, uh, Willis Ritter, then Howell. And, and for a long time, Howell was my one or my, my strong two. And I just thought that those two other guys, there was more on film that I had seen more recently that made me like them more. But for a long time, uh, Howell was my number one guy in that, in that class. And it just, you know, I think those other guys have different traits, a little maybe more explosiveness, more consistently, uh, you know, that, that potentially moved them up higher on my list for me. But I'm a big fan of Sam Howell. I really am. I think when you unpack his situation at North Carolina and the productivity that he was able to come in and have immediately as a college player, I think is really special. And then you look over the course of his career, you know, the ups and downs of a you know, a power five football program that isn't necessarily identified as a power school, power football school to be able to have the long-term productivity that he'd had to me is a, is a really good sign. The, the part that, that I think is frustrating is just the decline the past year. But when you really watch that offense, and, and this is going to be me going on a soapbox a little bit about what they're doing schematically at North Carolina with that kind of pseudo air raid. Uh, it's like half air raid half spread RPO stuff that I just felt like there was no identity. They were, they were really struggling to kind of find what they were this past year. And what they were was essentially, Hey, Sam, Howell, go out there and get us a win. And, and that's hard for anybody to do, you know, at that level of football. And I felt like there was a, they did him a disservice by the talent surrounded him and kind of the way that they structured their scheme didn't allow him to flourish potentially like he did earlier when he was maybe 
being a little bit more point guardy, you know, able to distribute to a little bit more high quality perimeter player that they just didn't have this past year. Now, I think that's that that part that you mentioned scheme along with also personnel. All right, it it kind of essentially brought in a mixed bag of results for for Sam Howe and his his projections coming out of twenty twenty one season. But for you, JT, in your opinion, not necessarily the player Howe himself, but can you speak towards how that environment, the context of an environment, the 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 type of season in terms of roster, and then on top of that scheme and things like that, how that can kind of impact projections on the NFL level for what a prospect can and cannot do for NFL team. Yeah, I, I think it just muddies the analysis and it muddies the evaluation. So it makes things that should be really clean and clear uh, blurry. So the example that I will always think of is Justin Herbert at Oregon. So Justin Herbert at Oregon, for me, nothing on his film looked like the the player that he is on Sundays now for the Chargers consistently. Now, was that because Justin Herbert can't do it? No, he, he obviously can do it and do it at a really high level, but Oregon wasn't asking him to do that. He was throwing a lot of horizontal screens. It was a lot of play action. It was a lot of stuff that, that didn't translate to the league. And so is that on Oregon or is that on Justin Herbert? You know, to me, that's more on the scheme. That's what they were asking him to do. That's what he was surrounded by. And so you kind of have to at least apply that filter to everyone. And Sam Howell is just one case that probably got magnified this past year because when you look at these stats and you look at the production, you have to go, you know, what the hell happened? You should be getting better. You know, everyone wants to be on that upward trajectory of their improvement. And when you see any sort of decline, you know, you got to kind of peel back the layers and figure out, well, why is that? Was he hurt? You know, was he was he not playing? Was he in a different system where there's a transition of coaches? You know, no, no, no. Well, then you then you turn on the film and you realize that, you know, there's a He's got he's playing with five guards up front or, you know, there's a turnstile on both tackles or, you know, they're they're running schemes. They're running schemes that are that are not going to allow him to have the statistical kind of performance that he's had in the past because he doesn't have dudes on the perimeter like he's had in the past where he could just get the ball out of his hands and they could go, you know, get yak every single RPO. And so he had to manufacture a lot of that. A lot of, you know, you turn on. He's a good runner. He really is a good runner. But the way that they used him was like. Uh, what I would consider like uh, PROs where you're throwing passes, you've got a path, short pass option, but if it's not there, it's a quarterback draw. Well, you're not, not going to run quarterback draw in the league in between the twenties. You might run it inside the five, you know, three times a year, but you're not going to run it multiple times a game, multiple times a quarter. They're running it multiple times a game, multiple times a quarter. You know, he's the, he's out there getting yards with his legs as a main part of their run game. Now there are certainly guys in the league that are, that have quarterback specific runs, but I don't think Sam Howell is that athlete that you want to necessarily build a run game around as a NFL, you know, back. And so it's about being able to project what does he look like in your system? And that's the hard part about what I do, you know, not being tethered to a system or to an organization. It's just project projecting, Hey, what does translate to the league? And what he does consistently is he played for a long time. He got a number of starts. He has a beautiful deep ball. He can spin it. We've seen him play at a really high level. We've seen him endure some ups and downs as far as a program expectations. I think he can run it and scramble and create a little bit. And so if he's in the right environment and surrounded by some talent, I think he's got a chance to be successful, as successful as any of these guys drafted. Now, scheme and, and what you just said in the skill set is something that 
uh, is very important to Washington. And as it relates to them under Scott Turner's offense, he has more of a vertical-based passing game, and um, they like to target the intermediate and deep levels of the field. And uh, unfortunately for Washington the last two years, um, it's been a headache from my perspective and other people's perspective to watching that offense uh, underachieve to the to the level in which it did. And um, Taylor Heineke, with no disrespect to him, he did an excellent job for the, the abilities that he had, but it wasn't necessarily meshing with what Scott Turner wanted to do. Uh, when we talk about how skill set, do you see how as a direct fit? I know you said you like the fit, but is that di direct fit based on his skill set uh, meshing with what Washington wants to do offensively? I, I think potentially. You know, I don't know that Turner very well. But but his but his dad and that family certainly is known for, you know, that digit system that has the capacity to stretch the field vertically. And th there is a, a level of arm talent that is required for that. And I think when you look across the landscape of the draftable guys that came out this year, I think Sam Howell has the best deep ball in the class. And so that that immediately makes him pretty attractive to that type of offense. Now, does he have the what you know what I would consider like the time clock in your head to be able to to, to operate that successfully and not take sacks and unnecessary hits. Well, a lot of that comes into the scheme and the timing and the, on the play call and all those types of things that are going to be well beyond the capacity of a rookie quarterback. But I think he has the skill set to be able to deliver the ball consistently down the field, you know, better than a guy potentially like uh, Heineke, who's certainly, you know, every, everybody uh, is pulling for and rooting for as far as a competitor and situation. But there's a reason that that guys go where they go as far as their talent. And, and I think Sam Howell, is one of those guys, you know, he might not necessarily look the part of a guy who can stand in the pocket and deliver the ball like we think of it from maybe from 10, 15 years ago. But he really has shown over the course of his career at college the productivity that he can deliver the ball and deliver the ball down the field consistently at a high enough level that you can be a Sunday guy consistently. And I, th I think that that will be a, it'll be an interesting contrast with a guy like Carson Wentz, who maybe, in my opinion, probably isn't known for being able to do that as consistently as he would like on Sundays. And so, you know, when you when you see those guys throw side by side and, and what it looks like, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, where Sam Howell fits and maybe provides a different layer, different level of attacking capability for that type of vertical offense. Now, one thing that we've talked about a, a couple of times just in this short conversation was the arm talent and his ability to attack those areas of the field, the, the downfield areas of the field. What about uh, in between the ears for Sam, as far as you know? Uh, what do you think about Sam's mental processing ability, his ability to anticipate? Uh, like, what is his timing looking like in terms of uh, understanding where his receiver should be versus a particular coverage and things to that degree? Yeah, so I don't know him at all. Uh, I, I will say that just from watching the film, that's not necessarily what he was asked to do. So that doesn't mean that he can't do it. But when you think, when I think of like air raidy type concepts, to me, that's a lot of seeing guys open as opposed to throwing guys open. So those guys are running to grass. They're settling up in space and then you're putting the ball on them. And so it's a different level of precision in detail for most NFL offenses that will operate in the timing, uh, detail, drop back depth, anticipation, coverage, ID, pattern recognition that he'll be asked to do. It doesn't mean he can't do it. It just means that when you turn on his film, his film is, hey, you know, running a bunch of mesh or running overs that you can see the guy, see the guy, see the guy, see the guy. Oh, he's going to settle up, put it on him as opposed to in the league. Hey, you got to rip a comeback at 20 yards to the field and you got to throw it after, 
you know, you way before that guy gets out of his break. And so I think he he certainly has the arm talent to be able to make those anticipation throws. I personally think anticipation can be taught. Uh, I was I've been coached by the quarterback coach in Washington and certainly knows that he's got the capacity to teach that. And they'll certainly be detailed in what they're asking him to do with his footwork and his processing. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to do it consistently on a game in practice, you know, to be able to get out there and, and be able to do it consistently over the course of a season, career, decade, those types of things that y'all are probably looking for from the quarterback position. Now, speaking of career projections, um, JT, I'm going to give my opinion and follow it up with a question. I've said this comment a thousand times before, um, but I want to get your opinion based on your background and experience. Um, I believe that, you know, the round that you are drafted doesn't necessarily define the player. I just think that's who the league thinks you are coming into the league. Like, you're not necessarily bound by that number. You obviously have a ton of work to do, and you have the ability to show yourself, right? Um, the story does not end there. And in the same vein, sometimes, the, you know, the league does miss, and they, they miss pretty often in terms of their projections. And some players who are drafted in the fifth uh, come out the gate on fire. Like, they come out the gate playing like a first-round pick. For a player like Howe, uh, who was projected at one point in the first round, uh, first round draft pick, even a top 10 overall pick, how does a player uh, who has such a high profile name, how do they show, like, how long does it usually take to show that it factor? Uh, think of like a Russell Wilson and his, and his moment or even uh, other players who kind of came out the gate who weren't necessarily those first round guys. But how long does it usually take in your, in your background and experience to see what that it looks like? Well, I, I think it depends on, on where you're coming from. If you're coming from like a fan's perspective, I think it can happen almost too fast. I think if you're coming from a, a quarterback, an offensive player in that system, you can start to tell, you know, the first couple days, first couple weeks of practice. You know, if you're a defensive player and it's a quarterback, you know, it's probably going to take a season, half a season. They want to see you, you know, fight through some tough fourth quarters, fight through some adversity, those types of things that can't be manufactured in practice. And if you're talking about like a personnel GM guy, it's probably going to take a longer time to make a commitment financially to you. But I mean, I, I think for the most part, the people on the team, you can tell really quickly if someone can come in and make a significant difference for your team. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to beat somebody out immediately. You know, that doesn't mean that, you know, if I can recall like Russell Wilson's first camp, you know, he's battling for that spot. That that spot isn't given to him the first two weeks of camp. And so I think you can identify those types of guys that all of a sudden, hey, this can be a competition. But, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that's the case there for him. I think the it factor thing really comes for the most part, whether you're talking about convincing your player, the teammates, the coaches, the personnel, the fans from your performance in the games. Like people can see it in practice. They really can. Like, for instance, guys like uh, I think of the situation like Trey Lance right now for San Francisco hasn't played a whole lot in the games, but has practiced a lot. So he's probably convinced a lot of people on that team that he's good enough to be that guy. But he hasn't convinced that fan base. You know, he has to go out there and do it consistently and do it in meaningful games. And so I think that there is a blend of, of being able to win over the locker room. That has to happen first. Well, first you have to win over the quarterback room. You got, you know, you got to win the competition. You got to be, you got to be better than that. Whoever else is in there, then you've got to perform well enough in the game, and then you got to win the locker room. You got those guys have to believe in you, and then from there you have to do it in crucial moments consistently. And, and that's the thing that I think is tough to understand. Is it's it's one thing to have the NFL is so week to week. You can be great one week, you can be in the doghouse the next two weeks, and that two weeks can feel like two years. 
And to be able to have the fortitude to be able to put your head down and grind that thing out as a rookie or a young player is really tough because a number of these guys come from situations that, you know, maybe they didn't have to compete for their job as a, as necessarily every year as a college player. Maybe they're not used to every year them drafting or trying to replace them on the roster. And it's just a different mindset, a different level of intensity that some people, you know, don't necessarily thrive in and other people really do thrive in. Like is Sam Howell the type of guy who's going to be pissed for the next 10 years that every, that every team passed on him four times, like Tom Brady is pissed still that he got passed on, you know, those, so like stuff like that, like, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a different, it's a different thing and, and not everybody is wired that way. And so, you know, just kind of seeing how it shakes out for him and that organization is a, you know, that's part of the draft process. That's why it's so many guys get missed on, you know, there, there is no way to know for sure. Now, uh, a couple more questions for you, Big Dog. Uh, I appreciate your time once again. Now, one more with the if factor and just on your, your again, a personal experience. Like, you share some rooms, uh, some quarterback rooms with uh, Brett Favre, John Kittner, Carson Palmer, Jake DeLone, Alex Smith, I believe um, he was around uh, in San Fran, and then obviously Phillip Rivers in San Diego. Uh, do you have any stories just around the people? It, it don't even have to be those names. Just to, those are some names to kind of generate some thought, but – do you have any stories about the people you've observed during your time uh, that she was like, you know what, I, this this guy has the ability to be something special? I mean, those guys were special already when I was there. But yeah, the I, th- I think the thing that I take that I took a lot from those guys that I probably didn't necessarily or I don't naturally do as well as some of those guys do is they were really, really intentional with cultivating like meaningful relationships. And what I mean by that, that's not like a glossy phrase. I mean, like, if there was a new person in the locker room, you know, there's stories in the league that Peyton Manning would go introduce himself to him every single day, every single time, shake his hand, say, hey, I'm Peyton Manning. Like, yeah, bro, we know, you know, everybody knows who you are. And so those types of things to be to create the environment and culture that you want to promote as a quarterback, especially as a, as a position of influence on a team as a, in an organization, I think is something that I you know, had to work towards getting that way and be able to cultivate those meaningful relationships. When I think of Philip Rivers, Philip and the uh, the center for the Chargers, like Nick Hardwick, okay. for a long time. Every day, every day they would get to the facility and they would meet and watch the like blitz pickup, the the pressure packages, and just to make sure they're on the same page, so that they could go out there and make those pressure calls. And I was I was there for half a season. I never saw them throw hot once. They had everything always blocked up, and I was I was always marvelled by it. And it and it's not just Philip. It was definitely Nick being a really smart guy too. But that partnership, that working together, that takes time to cultivate. You have to be intentional with those relationships. And so it's a it's a lot for a young guy to learn quarterback-wise. Maybe, you know, for Sam Howell, maybe he didn't have to make any pressure checks in the air raid in college. You know, so now he's going to come into the system, have a lot more volume, have a lot more responsibility at the line of scrimmage, be taking snaps from adults. You know, there's chances guys are 10 years older than you a grown ass man in the locker room, in the huddle that you got to tell what to do, you know, maybe then to a pro bowl or something like that, where all of a sudden, you know, you got to be on top of it and to just be intentional with creating those relationships so that guys know that you care, but they also know that you're, that you know what the hell is going on. You know, you can smell, you can smell a dude who doesn't belong really quickly in the league and it's, it can scare people really quickly. And so you got to go in there and prove yourself and be able to do that. And for me, all those guys that you mentioned, I just took little bits and pieces from all of them. You know, a guy, for instance, like Brett Favre, Brett, not necessarily, you know, my favorite type of dude in the world, 
Like what I mean, I mean, we're just not similar cats. Like I'm a West Coast guy, you know, he wants to go hunting. Like that's just not what I want to do. Like that's no, that's just the truth. And but yeah. but what I did tell, take from Brett was that he's an amazing storyteller. He is an amazing storyteller. He's got that good old boy. You know, I can, you know, I've got all these great stories and people gravitate towards that and they want to be part of that. And, and I'm, I was always shocked at how many good quarterbacks were good storytellers that could kind of be able to kind of take the attention of the huddle, of the meeting room, of the ability to teach and understand and communicate that, you know, for whatever reason, at least in college, you have time to build those relationships. Many, you know, I was at a college for five years. You know, many, some of these guys are in college for three, four years to build these relationships as opposed to in the league. You know, you're welcome to camp. You know, I'm taking snaps from guys I never met. I'm in huddles with guys that I don't know their name. And so you have to be able to be able to build those relationships really quickly. And that was something that I took from all those guys that I think were really successful. They weren't all kind of uh, extroverts that were like the life of the party that necessarily kind of, you know, the loudest cat in the room. But they were always, always the guy who everyone kind of wanted to be around, who felt like, hey, when once he walks into the huddle, oh, yeah, we're good. You know, like we're, we're we're good as opposed to walking in the huddle being like, oh, shit, bro, we got guy. this guy. Yeah, like, I don't know about this. You know, like it's and, and I know the feeling because I've done it to other positions where you're like, oh, bro, like, oh, we better go the other way, you know, and stuff like that where it, it matters. And so I think uh, watching guys operate at a high level, that was the one thing that jumped across the board when you look at kind of the all those guys in, in aggregate. They were all really good at building the important relationships in an organization. That was an excellent, insightful answer, man. I definitely appreciate that one. We got one more for you, man. The 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 projection, the final projection with with Sam Howe. I mean, obviously, Wentz is clearly coming into twenty twenty two as Washington starter for the year. So we're not necessarily specifically asking about training camp, but how do you see Howe as a starter in the NFL? Like, is he a, a capable starter, or is he somewhere where you kind of see as a serviceable backup, uh, somebody with spot duty ability? Like, what what is your projection for Sam Howe as an NFL player? Well, I mean, I think a fifth round pick would say that the league thinks that he's kind of a spot duty type guy, potential career backup. I think for me, you know, I don't want to put artificial boundaries on anybody. You know, I think it, I think unfortunately it depends on a lot of luck. And so I think, I really do think you might think that Wentz is the starter, but you know, is he going to stay healthy all year? Are you going to have a chance to play? If you get a chance to play and play so well that you don't come off the field, well, now you're in a great situation. You know, I, I'd, I'd much rather be in a shot, a situation like Sam Howell, as opposed to a situation where you're behind a guy who never comes off the field, you know, who's never been hurt in his life. You know, a, a guy who's got consecutive start records. Those are the types of backup jobs that you go and you, you can stay there for four years, but you never play. You never get paid. You never get an opportunity to compete. And so I think Sam Howell's in a good spot. I think it, so much of it will depend on luck. You know, if it doesn't go your guy's way this year, are there changes on the staff? Are there changes on the offensive staff? You know, that that sets you back career-wise probably. And so, you know, it's, it's so much of it is luck. And I think that's the hard part for people to get. It's, you know, your luck where you're drafted, your luck what your situation is, your luck when you kind of – when your opportunity comes on the field. But I think if he comes and gets an opportunity to play, I think people would be shocked at his ability to deliver the ball down the field at a really high level, something that I think a lot of organizations – put a premium on nowadays with the way that the game has evolved and the way that the rules set up for you to allow you to take a little bit more shots on the perimeter, spread the ball a little bit more where his skill set could really flourish in the right situation. So I, I think he's got a chance to be really good if he gets in a, in the spot and gets an opportunity to play. Opportunity. 
Hey, well, JT, man, this was an incredible conversation. I definitely, once again, appreciate you for giving the time to the Trap of God to let the people know what your thoughts are on Sam Howell. Uh, this is Plug Talk, man. Let the people know where they can find you, hear from you, read your work, anything that you got going on, man. Let the people know what's going on with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, my kind of hub is YouTube. So I usually try to put out a handful of videos a week over there at the quarterback school. And then from there, we do the Patreon thing for kind of the in-depth video. And so really try to create the environment of what it's like in an NFL quarterback room. And then finally, probably the thing I have the most fun doing is I create courses. You know, whether you're you're a young player, whether you're a diehard fan, whether you want to know more or kind of elevate your football IQ, got a bunch of different courses. I was coaching for uh, – I, I did coach for a hot minute and the uh, – it's uh it's, it's i'm not sure it's for me but it's uh i i had fun putting this stuff together yeah yeah no i know i'm not out there with the, i need to get out there with the flag game actually my flag look my hey, flag wide, wide receiver skill no my my wide receiver skills are locked down now i, I can get in and out okay i look well look we'll take the talent you just gotta you know pay for your own flight to get <laughs> i'll be on that travel team Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Dive